Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel record of John. The Gospel record of John and chapter number 13. The Gospel record of John and chapter number 13. We're in a series which was kind of, which is entitled The Upper Room Discourse, The Last Night with Jesus Christ. And in the gospel record of John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, Jesus Christ knows that his time on earth is coming to a close. That within a short few hours, Jesus Christ is going to be arrested. He is going to be put on a false trial. He is going to be sent <laughs> to the Romans to, for sentencing, and then he's going to be put on the cruel cross. And because Jesus knows this is right around the corner, and this is going to be a devastating change to his followers, the disciples, he has pulled the disciples together, and they observed what is commonly called the Last Supper. Jesus took some time to wash the feet of the disciples in order to have a physical object lesson to get their attention and let them know that something serious is coming. That something, the teaching that he's about to have, he wants their attention focused upon him so he could teach them. And now <laughs> Judas Iscariot has left that Jesus had told him that whatever you're going to do, do so quickly. And Judas has left. And now Jesus gathers his disciples, the 11 remaining, and he now begins to instruct them in a very specific way. And we pick it up in the gospel record of John, chapter number 13. The gospel record of John, chapter 13. And notice with me as we pick it up in verse number 31. The gospel record of John chapter 13 and verse number 31, the word of God says this. Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, now is the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God should be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whether I go, you cannot come. So now I say unto you, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one to another. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the gospel record of John chapter 13? The gospel record of John chapter 13, and notice with me in verse 31. Gospel record of John 13 in verse 31, notice the phrase, the son of man glorified. The son of man glorified. And with the Lord's help, we want to preach this message about how the son of man is glorified. The son of man glorified. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together. Let's pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And not only are you a wonderful God, you're a wonderful Savior. And as we speak about this chapter here, about you being glorified, we're asking that we would glorify your name, that we would understand how your name is glorified, and that we would be able to apply it to our lives now. I'm asking because I'm just human and I'm frail and I have no ability within myself that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit and that your Holy Spirit would point to the Son, that you would glorify the Son, you would magnify the Son. Thank you again for whom you are and how you care for us and how much you truly love us. Fill us once again with your Spirit that you would touch every heart that you would help us to be able to understand what you're getting across to your disciples and thus is also apply to us. Get your own work accomplished tonight through your precious word. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the things that God deserves, he deserves the glory. God deserves all glory, all honor, all praise. He is worthy of all honor and glory. And praise because he is a wonderful God in the context what has happened is that Jesus Christ has gathered the 11 who is left and as Judas Iscariot walks out the door the mood and the atmosphere almost changes the evil one has gone and the presence of Jesus is there with the disciples and he looks at them and says now let's explain some things and if you don't mind, as we talk about that the Son of Man is glorified, first of all, I want to show you this from the text, is that God, that Jesus is glorified by God by the cross. That Jesus is glorified by God because of the cross. Notice, if you don't mind, in verse 31. Therefore, when he, that's Judas, is gone... When Judas was gone out, Jesus said, Now, now is the Son of Man glorified, and is God glorified in him? If God be glorified in him, God should also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Now what is happening, as Judas Iscariot has left, this begins the start this is where everything changes. Judas Iscariot, why this meeting is going on, Judas Iscariot is marching out to go talk to the chief priest. And he's going to say, I'm going to deliver him in your hands. He says, this is where he's going to be at. He is going to go gather an army of soldiers, of townsfolk who all hate Jesus. And he's going to lead that parade to where Jesus Christ is going because Judas knows that Jesus has the habit of praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, I know where he's going to be at, and I'm going to lead you right to him. You see, at the moment that Judas leaves, it begins the start of the, what is commonly called the Passion of Christ. That here is the start of a chain of events that is going to unfold within the next several hours. Jesus Christ is going to be betrayed. That Jesus Christ is going to be put on an illegal trial he is going to be falsely accused and he is going to be sent to sentencing. And then he is going to die on the cruel cross. When you think about these events, aren't they horrible? That Jesus Christ is an innocent. He is an innocent God who has never done any sin. And yet 
people are going to lie against Jesus Christ. That this false trial is going to be hastily put together. And that they're only gathering people who's going to sentence Jesus. People like Nicodemus is not invited to this false trial. Even though he's on this council. This false trial is going to be happen before the sun. And there's all kinds of things that makes this an illegal trial. How would you feel if you knew that you were traveling with Jesus and knowing he's going to be put on a false trial. It's illegal. How would you feel if you're one of Christ's disciples and to hear that Jesus Christ is sentenced to death? How would you feel if you traveled with Jesus for all those years and to hear the crowd saying, crucify him, crucify him? What would your emotions be when you saw Jesus on the cross? His back split open. He's bleeding. He's dying. And you look at him. You understand this is a great tragedy that occurs. If you look at it as a great tragedy. You understand what Jesus Christ is doing? Because he knows what is happening. He's saying, guys, I don't want you to see this as a tragedy. I don't want you to see the aspects of it where it's bad. I don't want to see the aspects of it where the suffering. I don't want you to put an emphasis on how horrible it is. Instead, what I want you to see is how this glorifies God. You understand that the death of Jesus on the cross glorified God? It glorified God that the worst thing that happened in history is actually the greatest thing that ever happened in all of human history. That Jesus Christ died on the cross in obedience to the Father. And he died for our sins. And because Jesus Christ was obedient to the Father, let me tell you the good news. That the Father glorified God. The Son. How did he do that? Notice the text with me again and then I'll explain. Notice in verse 31. Therefore when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him. So the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. Jesus is obedient to the cross, even the death of the cross. And God is glorified because Jesus was obedient to it. Verse 32, if God be glorified in him, so if God is glorified by Jesus, in Jesus, God shall also glorify him, Jesus, in himself, and straightway, immediately glorify him, Jesus. You say, well, there's a lot of glorying in here. There is a lot of glorying in the cross. But you know what happens? Because Jesus humbled himself and honored and obe was obedient to God even to the death of the cross that Jesus was buried and put on a borrowed tomb and then one of the greatest miracles that ever happened happened Jesus Christ arose from the grave on the third day and Jesus is alive forevermore and we celebrate and we're excited about this that we serve a risen Savior he's in the world today I know that he is living no matter what men may say I hear his voice of mercy I see his 
I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives! He lives! Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives! He lives! Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. You know when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that was God glorifying him. He says, this is my son. He's alive forevermore. Everyone praise his name. And God glorified Jesus by the resurrection. And so when Jesus is pulling the disciples here, he says, listen here. I don't want you to look at the bad things. I don't want you to get the poochy lip disease. I don't want you to get the place where you're going, this is horrible. It's so bad. It's so wrong. God says, you know, it's not bad. It's not wrong. This is exactly what needed to happen in order to have salvation for sins. This is exactly what needed to occur. I don't want you to get to the place where you're looking at all the horrible things. You look up to Jesus and see that God has everything in control. He's saying, disciples, boys, listen to me. This is a good thing that's going to happen. This is what needs to happen. Do you understand that on the cross, the attributes of God were shown at Calvary? That God was glorified at Calvary because of the cross. Think about this. The cross showed the power of God. You know that Jesus Christ... Nobody took his life. He willingly laid it down. He, it showed the power of God. Nobody could have taken Jesus' life from him. He willingly took it. We see on the cross, we see the justice of God. That the penalty of sin was paid for. That God said that the, that the wages of sin is death. Because of our sin, something must die. And you know who died in our place? Jesus Christ. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That the death of Jesus on the cross showed the attribute of God, the justice of God. Justice was served. God's justice was satisfied. We see on the cross of Calvary the holiness of God. That the Bible says very clearly that God cannot allow anything that is sinful in his presence. And so what God did in order to allow man to be able to approach God, the penalty of sin must have been paid. And now God can allow man to fellowship inside of his presence. That sin no longer separates man. That the holiness of God was satisfied at the cross of Calvary. The faithfulness of God was satisfied at the cross of Calvary. That God completed his promise of a Savior. Do you know that the first promise of a Savior was given in Genesis 3.15? Where Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And God as he's dealing out punishments and dealing out things. He goes to Satan and said guess what? I'm going to send a savior that the seed of a woman, she's always going to be at enmity with your seed. But guess what? There's going to be one of those seed that you're, you are going to, he, he's going to bruise. Sorry. Your, your seed is going to bruise his heel, but he's going to bruise your head. 
That was the first promise that God was going to satisfy the payment. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross, it satisfied all the promises that God had made. It showed the faithfulness of God. In addition, the cross of Calvary, another attribute of God that it showed, it showed the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, the cross was not a horrible thing in the sight of God. It was something that satisfied God's attributes. It is something that as Jesus willingly died on the cross, it brought glory to God. And God turned around and gloried the Son. And so Jesus, as he's getting ready to go to the cross, he knows what's going to happen. He's trying to pull the disciples and said, listen here, all during this time, you keep looking up. You keep looking up. You don't look at the circumstances. You look beyond the circumstances and you see the God of the circumstances that God is always in charge. You understand even for us, there's a lot of awful things that can happen. Your tire can go flat. You could break your arm. Your money, bank account could dry up. You could get sick. You could have a bad day at work. But you understand, all of that is earthly stuff. You could, no matter how bad it is on here, you could always look up and see God. And see God. And that's where our eyes need to be at. And he's taking his time to talk to the disciples and said, you're going to see some bad things in the next couple days. But I want you to know that God is glorified in it. Do you know that God can be glorified in your bad day? That God could be glorified with a bad day at work? God could be glorified with a bad day at school. God could be glorified with the bad health that you have. God could be glorified with the bad finances that you find yourself in. You understand that God can be glorified? That's why we need to keep our eyes off the circumstances and look beyond it and see the God of the circumstances. Keep your eyes on Him. You understand, this is an important lesson that the disciples have to learn now. This is something they can't learn next week. This is something they can't learn a month from now or next year. This is something they have to get right now because the bad things are going to happen within a matter of hours. And if they look at how awful the circumstances are, they're going to get depressed. They're going to get to the place where they're disappointed. They're going to get to the place where they want to quit. But the answer is to look up to God and say God knows what he's doing. That God has glorified his name. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God. To them that are the called according to his purpose. You know when it says all? You know what it means? All. All things work together for good. Doesn't mean that all things are good. But it does mean that all things work together for good. Do you trust God? Do you believe God? Do you believe that he was honest when he said he is glorified in this? Well, if the death of Jesus on the cross is the worst thing that could ever happen, your stubbed toe doesn't match up. But yet, we know a lot of people, even including ourselves, that that stubbed toe can ruin our whole day. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He knows what he's doing. Have faith in God. 
It goes on in verse number 33. Jesus says a phrase that it's actually going to pop up uh, a couple times before a disciple finally raises his hand and asks him about this. But notice with me in verse 33. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. And that's a literal thing. Just a couple hours I'm with you. Ye seek me, and as I said to the Jews, whether I go, you cannot come. So now I say to you. Now this is important because Jesus is saying, all right guys, I've got to go away and you can't follow me. You don't want to follow me. Now at this time, the disciples don't know what's going to happen. But can you imagine they've traveled with Jesus and Jesus said, you can't follow me. You cannot go where you, we've traveled with you everywhere for three years. What do you mean we can't go with you? Jesus knows he's going to the cross and the disciples can't go with him. This is something he has to do alone. This is something he's going to be alone. In fact, all the rest of the disciples are going to leave him. But he says, you can't follow me. Now, they ponder on this and they're going to ask more about it. We'll see that on Sunday. But he warns them, you cannot go where I'm going. But God has a plan in it. Look at God. Look at God. There's a second thing I want to show you in this passage. That not only is Jesus glorified by God because of the cross, but I also want you to see this, that Jesus is glorified when we love one another. Jesus is glorified when we love one another one another. Notice with me in verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you love one to another. You understand, Jesus takes times to point to his disciples, the difference of the Christian life. If we're truly a follower of Jesus Christ, the hallmark, the evidence, the proof that we're one of Christ's disciples is to love one another. Now, with this, we know that we're dealing with men. You understand there's not a perfect church. And if you ever find a perfect church, don't join it because it will no longer be perfect. Churches are made up of people. And people are people. They're sinners. And there's all kinds of different sinners in the church. And if you look at a person and all their faults, you find plenty of things to criticize. You look at me long enough, and you'll find things to criticize. In fact, if you look and start criticizing me, I'll give you a couple more things, just so you know. But the point is, is that we're not looking at each other. You keep your eyes on the Lord. You keep your eyes on the Lord. And when you look at, other, at the Lord, the people's sins aren't that big of a deal. Their idiosyncrasies, their personality conflicts. You know, within the 12 disciples, they had some personality conflicts. They had different personalities. You had Peter, who was very impulsive. He had the foot and mouth disease. Open up mouth, stick foot in, over and over. He gets in trouble. And we saw that before in the Lord's Supper where he says, No, you're never going to wash me, Jesus. Jesus says, If I don't wash you, you're not any of mine. Well, fine, wash all of me, my hands and my feet. Jesus says, No. You know, Jesus is, or Peter's pretty impulsive. He just keeps speaking. Then you had the Apostle John, who was very 
uh, subdued. He didn't speak a lot. He was always quiet and watching. You know, those are two different personalities. And after a while, don't you think some personalities might clash? It wasn't just personalities, even points of view. Inside of uh, the disciples, you had someone called Matthew who was a publican. What is a publican? A publican was a Jewish person who worked for the Roman government. He was a tax collector. To the Jewish people, he was considered a bad guy. He was a collaborator. He worked with the hated government. How dare he do that? Do you know another disciple was Simon the Zealot? You said, what's a zealot? A zealot was a political party who believed that they needed to overthrow Rome. And oftentimes zealots would hire assassins to kill publicans. So think about this. Inside of Jesus' 12, you had two people who were in two different political parties. Two different spectrums of belief. One of them worked for the government. One of them hated everything that the government had to deal with. Don't you think they had some talks from time to time? You understand there's personality conflicts. There's different points of view. There are different things. You have sinners. You have people who open their mouth. You have different things within it. And you could easily point at other different people and point out their faults. But when we do that, Christ is not glorified. Not one little bit. You know, if we're all looking towards Jesus, every single one of us, there's going to be unity. But when we get our eyes off the Lord and look at other people's problems... There's going to be friction. There's going to be disunity. There's going to be pride. There's going to be issues that come up. You understand that how do we have unity? By keeping your eyes on the Lord. You understand this is going to be a trying time. When is the hardest time to be a Christian? When you're under stress. Most of you understand that. That you get hurting. You have a bad day. It's hard to maintain your testimony. Well, in a couple hours, don't you think that all of the 11 disciples, all 12 disciples are going to have a hard day? Judas goes out and hangs himself. He can't, doesn't get any more desperate than that. Peter's going to deny Jesus three times. Don't you think that's going to weigh on him a little bit? The other disciples, they all abandon Jesus and run. Don't you think that will weigh on him? Three years they travel with Jesus. Now he's dying on the cross. Their whole work Labor, time is wasted. Failure. Don't you think that in their faith is going to be tried in just a couple of hours? Don't you think that as Jesus is dying on the cross, that someone goes up and shoves Peter? If they had their eyes on the Lord, this didn't happen. But if they were in the flesh, don't you think someone would push Peter? Huh, I thought you would never forsake him. And you go ahead and deny him three times? Peter frustrated that he failed the Lord. Get off of me. Don't you think that was a temptation? Absolutely, because you would be tempted to do the same thing. And Jesus is saying, you want to know how to glorify me? Look at me. Love one another. If you look towards me and you realize how much I love the world, it doesn't matter who they are. Jesus loves the little children. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And he loves the big children too. That if we love people as Jesus loves them, we'll love one another. But when we get our eyes off of him, that's when we have a problem with people. Again, there's not a single church that's perfect. We have people in here who have issues and have problems. And you could think in yourself, I hope they don't know my problems. 
But we can be a type of place like the world. You know the world loves to throw out people's issues? If you don't believe me, go look at Facebook and then close it. And you just need a couple seconds and you'll say, okay, there it is. Don't we live in a political world? It doesn't matter what side you're on. They hate the other ones and they're very unbiblical on how they treat other people. That's what the world normally does is they attack. You know what the world does? They like to find fault. They like to do whatever they can to criticize but Jesus said there's going to be something different if you're a follower of me. That you love one another. Hereby, the Bible says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. If you have love one to another. Isn't that guy, isn't he in your church? Yes, he's in a church. Do you know how an awful sinner he is? Yeah, but let me tell you something. Jesus loves them very much, and so do I. Don't you think that would stop a lot of problems? Amen. Did you hear what so-and-so did? Oh, man, they came to church, and I love them, and Jesus loves them. You understand? We all have issues. We all have problems. But we have a choice to keep our eyes on the Lord and love them as Christ loved them. Or we could be just like the world and find fault with other people and go to war and try to have our way and make things miserable. There are many churches that is miserable to go to because they have the Hatfields and McCoys. You have people who sit on this side who never talk to the people on this side. And that's not the type of church we want. How do we have unity? How do we overcome the issues and the problems we have? Keeping our eyes on the Lord. So how do we glorify God? We glorify Him by loving one another. Again, this is the last couple hours Jesus has. He's trying to give them instructions because the next few days are going to be very stressful for the disciples. And He wants them to keep in mind that no matter what, when Jesus is dying on the cross, keep looking at Him. Keep looking at him. When you're tempted to look at your other disciples and, and start blaming them and start nagging at them and start railing at them, keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on him. The answer is this. Keep your eyes on Jesus. So with that being said, where are your eyes at? I want you to take your week so far. You've gone to work on Monday. You survived Tuesday. You got past Wednesday. How have you done? Have you been looking at the circumstances and grumbling and complaining? You know, I can't believe this happened at work. And this is up here and I can't. Or have you been keeping your eyes on Jesus and say, I know things aren't perfect, but God's still good. And God's still right. Have you been aggravated at people? Whether at work or at home. You want to just, you know. Take them to a nice mountain stream and hold them underneath the stream until no more bubbles come. Maybe you're more spiritual than I and never had to do that. Can you keep your eyes on the Lord? Keep your eyes on the Lord. That's the answer to us all. Jesus is trying to say the next couple of days are going to be hard. Your answer is to keep your eyes on the Lord. The Bible speaks about a peace that passeth all understanding. John, how in the world can you still be glorifying God right now 
Because God is still good and God is still right. Andrew, don't you see that your master they just put in the grave? God is still good and God is still right. Simon, did you hear what happened to Peter? Did you hear what he said? God is still good and God is still right. We have to continually do every day, keep our eyes on him. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.